0: Israel just came through its fifth election in four years and Netanyahu still struggles to form a government. Even if you don't understand every last detail of Israel's political process, as long as you understand the prophecies, you'll know what to look for in the near future. We'll analyze Israel's prophesied destiny on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. If you're watching us on a live stream today or this evening sometime on an archived edition, you'll notice that I am not sitting at our old set. That's gone. And I'm sitting in front of our new LED wall. And this is, going, this is evolving <laughs> as we go along. The launch is going to be uh, sometime in January, the official launch. But We're kind of getting everything um, built up and, you know, the desk and the whole thing. But wanted to go ahead and be live uh, streamed today so that you can kind of see from the ground up what we're doing. There's a lot of huge things that are happening at end time right now. There's going to be a new launch, some rebranding, a lot of different things, segmentation to the programs, a huge Internet presence. And so just wanted to keep you guys Uh, in on the ground floor of it as we build this. It's going to be really neat. We're going to have a camera upgrade, and a lot of different things are happening. There's also going to be a place eventually in the studio where we could have a live audience. I know we used to do that for a while, years ago. That's going to happen again. There's going to be a lot of different programming going on here at end time. So a lot of neat things just keeping you guys in the loop. But for today's program... I wanted to bring you up to date on what's going on in Israel and what to watch for in the near future. You know, like I said, Israel's fifth election in four years. Imagine that in the United States of America. But that's what is going on in Israel right now. And after all of that, Netanyahu is still struggling, as of this program today, to form a government. And I'm still not sure that he'll get it done. Uh, Some people that are in the coalition he's trying to form are saying, hey, if you don't give me this position then I'll just dissolve uh, your plans. And so, you know, anything can still happen, right? And this is where the prophecies can add clarity. Because you don't have to understand every little nuance of Israel's government to understand what's coming in the near future for Israel. The Times of Israel, they reported, and you know many other news sources, but that Netanyahu is still struggling to form a government and while Benjamin Netanyahu really and his allies they won they did win 64 seats in the 120 seat Knesset this would have been in November back when the election was held they what they did was they broke the impasse that had paralyzed Israel politics all the way through four elections since 2019 and Netanyahu has been still been unable to form a government at at, at present and to present it to the parliament for approval. Now, he's working on it. Back on uh, December 9th, that, that would have been, what, uh, four or five days ago, uh, Isaac Herzog, the president of Israel, granted Netanyahu an extension of ten days uh, to form a government, which means he would have to form that before the 21st of December. Uh, he would have that uh, length of time to complete forming a government. So. If if and I say if capital I if Netanyahu is successful, as is widely expected with everything that's going on, <coughs> excuse me, he will be at the helm of the most right-wing and reactionary government in Israel's history. A prospect that has alarmed his political opponents and Israel supporters abroad. As far as they're concerned, Israeli the Israeli democracy may be in the throes of its most severe crisis since the birth of Israel in 1948. What is going on? Well, Netanyahu has to form a coalition of many different parties to be able to form a government. Three of Netanyahu's proposed cabinet ministers, Bezalel Smatrich, remember these names, Itamar Ben-Gavir, and a guy named Avi uh, Maoz, are on the extreme fringe of the right of Israeli politics. And there's a fourth, his name is um, Arid Derry. He was actually convicted, uh, it was a convicted criminal who had served prison time. So you can imagine everybody else in Israel saying, what in the world is going on with Netanyahu? Look at his uh, all of his uh, the parties he's dealing with here. Well, Rabbi Rick Jacobs, the president of the Union of Reform Judaism in the United States, he actually said, these are among the most extreme voices in all of Israeli politics. So let me give you a brief explanation here. Smotrich, he's the leader of the religion, Religious Zionism Party. He's slated to become, in this government, should it form... He's slated to become the finance minister. Now, remember, these guys are way right-wing extremists. And he has said that he wants Israel to be governed by Jewish law and has talked about annexing parts of the West Bank and building yet more settlements there. And he vehemently opposes a two-state solution, which is what the international community views as the solution to the Israel-Palestinian conflict. Ben-Gavir, on the other hand, he's the head of the Jewish Power Party. He's been offered the position of national security minister. And, of course, he is notorious for his anti-Arab vitriol. And then Mao's, the, the leader of the Nome Party, he's been appointed a deputy minister in charge of a new body overseeing Jewish, the Jewish identity and the educational system. He's made disparaging comments about non-Orthodox Jews, compared gays to pedophiles, called for a revision of the Law of Return, which allows anyone with a single Jewish grandparent to immigrate to Israel. And, you know, at this point, if you look at this, you could say, you know, these guys are totally anti-two-state solution, building settlements against the... Uh, almost illegal, or actually pretty much illegal in the eyes of the international community and international law. So from a biblical prophetic perspective, it really doesn't look like a, a, this biblically prophesied Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement is going to happen, does it? At least not under this group of leaders. Well, Sarah Carter, she reported that the Biden administration continues to fumble on the Israeli-Palestinian uh, issue. You remember when Donald Trump came in. He said, hey, I want to get a peace agreement done. He starts sending um, his, uh, his team all across the Middle East trying to get something uh, done. And, hey, I, you know, it's one of my biggest goals to get the peace agreement done. Joe Biden, uh, you know, I don't think he even has a clue what's going on, honestly. So, is there going to get an Israeli peace agreement, Palestinian peace agreement before very long? Not sure it'll happen. But anything's possible, and we'll go through that as we get back from the break.
1: Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to endtime.com/future or call 800 time That's 800-363-8463.
2: Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you.
1: What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the Age television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference in their year. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says serving end-time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or visit endtime.com slash events for more information.
0: As far as... <clears throat> President Biden and the the Biden administration on the Israeli-Palestinian front. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, he he recently gave remarks at the J Street National Conference highlighting the Biden administration's policy on the Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement, or I should say their conflict. And you remember, again, President Trump comes in, I want to sign a peace agreement, I want to get that done. Joe Biden... uh, You know, it's like he just—it's kind of really not even on his radar. It's very low, if it is. But Anthony Blinken, when you look at it, there when he was given this speech, there were several things that Blinken stated that reveal that the Biden administration—they continue to push policies that undermine Israel, which in turn pushes away chances for fostering peace between Israel and the Palestinians. Now, I, I want you to understand. As far as end-time ministry goes, I don't agree that Israel should sign any peace agreements. I don't agree that they should. They should never give up land for peace. But the Bible says that's what is going to happen here in the very near future. They're going to sign an agreement that allows for a two-state solution. Again, that's why I wanted to bring up the Netanyahu government that is being formed. Should that get formed, it doesn't look like it will happen under that government. Possibly the World War III will happen first, but I wanted to give you an update on what's going on. With the with uh, what Blinken has stated in this speech to the J Street is that there was like really a number one error that he continued in the Biden administration the continued fixation on a two state solution. Imagine that compared to the government that's coming in under Netanyahu. Number two, the continued opposition to settlements. Three, the continued undermining of the Israeli sovereignty in Jerusalem. It's not going to work very good under this way right-wing government of Netanyahu. Blinken's remarks show that the Biden administration remains the intent on undermining Israeli sovereignty in Jerusalem. The Biden administration recognizes Jerusalem as central to the national vision, okay? But the problem is central to the national vision of the Palestinians, meaning that the Biden administration recognizes Jerusalem as the capital of the Palestinians as well, which is a, that's not biblical, that's, that's a huge problem, right? And is undermining Israeli sovereignty in the ancient capital of the Jewish people, the Biden administration. You just got to shake your head sometimes, right? But secondly, our Secretary of State Blinken, he showed that the Biden administration is undermining Israeli sovereignty in Jerusalem by stating that the Biden administration opposes disruption of the historic status quo on the holy sites, especially the Temple Mount, referring to opposing Jewish rights to pray on the Temple Mount, the holiest place in judaism the biden administration is anti that I, does the guy know his bible i mean it all it sounds confusing doesn't it well this is where the prophecies add clarity what are the what are the prophecies here coming because if you look at it you can say well the, the, you know if the the netanyahu right wing government gets in they'll never work with the biden administration as far as the israeli palestinian uh, peace agreement, and it's just everything's up in the air. They, they, they've had, Israel's had five elections in four years. It's just a mess, right? But I can tell you the prophecies always come to pass just like they say they will. They always have, every single time, to the point where Jesus the Messiah came and He fulfilled every single Messianic prophecy that's given in the Bible, every single one. And then all of the prophecies that were supposed to have occurred up to this point, every single one of them has come to pass in great detail. So what's coming in the near future? Regardless of what the situation looks like, okay? Doesn't matter what the Biden administration does or even the Netanyahu administration does. What matters is, is the Bible says this is what's going to happen. And that's the most important because this is God's word. So you don't have to sit there and go, oh my goodness, I don't really know. It doesn't make any sense. They're never going to sign a peace agreement. Oh, yes, they are. Because the Bible says they will. The Bible prophesies that there is a peace agreement that will be reached between the Israelis and the Palestinians. And when that agreement is con- is concluded, it's going to trigger the final seven years that will culminate at the Battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Folks, that is going to happen and that is more real than anything you can see, touch right now. Some of the provisions of that coming agreement, I want to go through some of them because some people have kind of got disillusioned. Well, I know, which we've talked, and they're, we're, they're talking, you know, and many of the reporters over in Israel and all these things are saying, well, you know, there's never going to be a, a peace situation because Netanyahu's bringing in all these right-wing guys. Look, he can bring in anybody he wants to. And Joe Biden can talk about all he wants uh, uh, pushing things that are anti-Israel. But there's going to be a peace agreement in the near future. When the peace agreement is signed, starts the final seven years. Let me tell you scripturally, prophetic-wise, what's going to happen in the near future. I'm going to kind of lay it out here. There will be a Palestinian state created in Judea, commonly referred to the modern-day West Bank the Jews presently living in the area of the new Palestinian state will be permitted to stay living as a Jewish minority under the Palestinian government in the West Bank. The Temple Mount will be placed under a sharing arrangement between Jews and Muslims. And you say, well, there's no way that's going to happen right now under this Netanyahu government. It may not be this government. Maybe Netanyahu won't get a government. I I don't know the answer to that. But I do know and understand what the prophecies say. And this is what's most important. It adds clarity to this whole thing. If you try to figure out Israel's government and our government, nobody knows what's going on. But I know what the prophecies say. So it adds clarity in my mind. Israel is going to be allowed to build its third temple. The Bible's crystal clear on that. Without, and without disturbing the Dome of the Rock of the Al-Aqsa Mosque and the international community will supervise the sharing arrangement on the Temple Mount. Negotiations concerning the status of Jerusalem, they're going to reach an impasse. Therefore, a final agreement on this issue is going to be postponed, the Bible tells us, how long? For seven years. With the understanding that it will be dealt with at that time, but in the interim, and there have been many articles talked about, about an interim agreement. In the interim, Israel is going to retain control of all of Jerusalem. The Jewish temple is going to be completed during the first three and one and a half years of the final seven years. And when the temple is completed, Jews will begin to offer animal sacrifices just as they, as they did before the destruction of the second temple in 70 A.D. Now, I text back and forth with Byron Stinson, the guy who's over the red heifer project in Israel. He's the guy that facilitated the red heifers coming from Texas to Israel. I text back and forth with him. He's a good friend of mine yesterday. And, he, and I said, hey, if the red heifers should get up of age to two years and one month, which would be about a year from now, maybe a little less now, would the Temple Institute go ahead and sacrifice them? He said, no, it's not going to be the Temple Institute. It's going to be Bona of Israel the organization he's with, and he said they're hoping to do that, I think it was on um, the Sabbath or uh, Shabbat, and, or the, yeah, the Passover or Shabbat next year. He said they're going to go ahead and, and offer the sacrifices. Now, something could change between now and then. I don't know. I'm just telling you what he's texting me, and I'm following this whole thing, because of all the prophecies that are converging at the same time, it's time for all of this stuff to happen and that will lead to the purification of Israel, then they could resume sacrifices on the Temple Mount and a temple be uh, rebuilt. If they do the sacrifices next year, they still have to have that peace agreement, allowing them to build a third temple before, obviously, they could do that. So, a lot of of interesting things uh, in play right now. In the future, though, the killing of animals every morning and every evening, as the Jewish scriptures dictate, will be met with outraged opposition. The animal rights activists will be incensed by what they view as a barbaric religious practice, killing animals, just blood everywhere. That has no place in the modern world. So, what's going to happen? Of course, demonstrations against the sacrifices are going to escalate. The placards are going to read, animals have rights too, right? Barbarism in the 21st century. And since the international community was given the responsibility of supervising the temple mount in the peace agreement, pressure is going to mount for them to stop those sacrifices. Well, of course, by that time, this very charismatic world politician will have gained recognition as the leader of the international community. People are going to be looking to him, stop this. And since he has participated in the peace agreement that happened earlier, that allowed for the building of Israel's third temple there's going to be speculating, uh, cir- uh, speculation that will start to circulate that perhaps he could be the Messiah. And the, prof- the pressure to resolve the dispute over the sacrifices will fall on his shoulders. Of course, that world leader, who the Bible calls the Antichrist, he's going to order the sacrifices stopped. He's going to explain that, hey, you don't need these anymore since I, in fact, am the Messiah that you've been looking for. He's going to make this declaration from the Temple Mount. And this event is called the Abomination of Desolation. And that event will trigger an outbreak of violence by the Palestinians against those Jews that remained in the newly formed Palestinian state out there in the West Bank. And Jesus called this outbreak of violence the beginning of the Great Tribulation. It's in Matthew 24 the Jews in Judea will have to flee for their lives or be slaughtered. The Antichrist is then going to begin to persecute all on earth who will not pledge allegiance to his emerging world governing system. And this time, called the Great Tribulation, will continue for the next three and one-half years. And when the final seven years, uh, this term of the peace agreement expires, the Palestinians and the international community, they are going to demand that Israel surrender East Jerusalem to become the capital of this Palestinian state. And Israel's, they're going to refuse. Israel's never going to get up, give up Jerusalem again. And the international community, under a UN flag, will invade in Israel to force compliance. Uh, well, of course, Israel's going to fight against this invading army of the Antichrist and his world government. The Bible calls this war the final war on earth the Battle of Armageddon. Israel's going to slowly but surely fall back under the, the, before the superior firepower of the world governing forces. And finally, Israel will make its last stand at its capital, Jerusalem. Half of Jerusalem, is this is Zechariah 14, half of Jerusalem will fall to the UN forces. And Israel, I mean, <clears throat> from the outside looking in, it's going to appear that Israel is going to be on the verge of being wiped out think about that. Now we know if you're here during that time you're going to think, well, this is it for Israel. But if you understand the prophecies of the Bible you know that's not the case. It's at that time that Jesus was going to come back to the earth and fight for the nation of Israel. And He's going to defeat the world governing armies, remove all human governments, and He's going to establish His long promised kingdom here on the earth. Now, Sounds like a pretty crazy scenario, doesn't it? You say, how did you get from Israel and five elections in four years and the Biden administration undermining Israel to a peace agreement and this? Well, it's all in the prophecies of the Bible. And you know, it's, I, I understand. It's one thing for me to sit here and assert that all of these events are going to come to pass. I, I get it. But, can we prove it from the scriptures that's the most important thing cuz i can I, we we can we can speculate and assert all kinds of stuff but if we look back to the prophecies of the bible and we understand them then we know this stuff's coming right and it's this prophecy it's very important the prophecy of this coming peace agreement it's it's important because it's in um, it helps us with timelines and some clarity in the end time it's all the way back in daniel 9 24 through 27 Now, it's it's the prophecy of Daniel 70 weeks. I wanted to go through it real quick because many people are teaching a lot of things today. (laughs) Let's just be honest. And I wanted you to be aware of what's going on because, again, you watch the Israel news and the the situation in Washington, D.C., and you think, "Ah, I've heard about that stuff in the prophecies before, but I don't see it. Okay, once you understand the prophecy, it will help you with some clarity here so you can instruct others. So, Daniel's 70 weeks. The Bible says in Daniel 9 24 through 27 that Daniel, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to do what? To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, bring in everlasting righteousness seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the Most Holy. See, say, wow, there's a lot to that. Well, we're going to go into it here. Verse 25 says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, is going to be seven weeks, three score and two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall in troublous times. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off but not for himself. And so I'm going to hold right here because I want you to hear the rest of this prophecy. And then we're going to explain it because this will add so much clarity to what's going to happen in Israel in the very near future.
1: Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty?
0: Now, when we're trying to understand this prophecy, let me jump back up to verse 25 and we'll go from there. I'm in Daniel 9, starting with verse 25. The Bible says, Know ye therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince, who's that? Well, that's Jesus Christ, that there's going to be seven weeks, three score and two weeks, the street shall be built again. And the wall, even in troublous times. And then the Bible says, After threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. Again, who was the Messiah, folks? Jesus Christ. But not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. Verse 27. And he, who? The Antichrist. We'll get to that in just a moment. Shall con- Now, the He is not the Pope. The He is not Jesus Christ. The He is the Antichrist in the future. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. It's a week of years, a seven-year period. And in the midst of the seven-year period, He shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. For the overspreading of abominations, He shall make it desolate even until the consummation. And that, determined, shall be poured out upon the desolate. Now, you got it all? All right. Let me see if I can help you out. This is a famous prophecy, and it's often referred to as Daniel's 70 weeks. You know, it actually could be more accurately described as 70 weeks of years or a 490-year prophecy. If you look in the um, NIV translation, it says, 77s are decreed upon your people. The New Century Version says, God has ordered 490 years for your people. And this prophecy of Daniel 9, 27 foretold the events of Jewish history that would occur over a 490-year period. And this is going to, um, it's going to become clear as I go through here. Okay, Now, there's one other thing that we have to notice in order to understand Daniel's 70 weeks. The prophecy is given in three segments. Seven weeks of years or a 49 year period, and then there's a gap. These are not 490 consecutive years. There's 77 weeks of years, 49 years, and then there's a gap. 62 weeks of years or 434 years, and then there's a gap. And then there's a final one week, a final seven year period. Okay? The prophecy is given. Um, This way, because there are gaps in between the 49 years, the 434 years, and the final seven years. The entire prophecy is of 490 years, but there are gaps that's segmented. Verse 25, remember, tells us that when the 490 years is to begin, it states that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So that it would be seven weeks Of years, 49 years, and 62 weeks of years, 434 years. In other words, from the commandment to rebuild Jerusalem to the Messiah would be 483 years plus the lengths, the length of the gap between the 49 years and the 434 years. Nobody that I know of knows what the length of that gap is. Okay? Now I've heard a million people. Speculate, but the dates and times back there are sometimes a little iffy, and I could sit here and try to prove it to you today, but it would pretty much be in it's it's almost impossible. We haven't been able to do it, and I don't know anybody else that I've ever heard or read that has been able to do it as well. However, the length of that gap is not very important, honestly. It's when does that final seven-year period, that's what all of us are looking for. Now, the first temple and the city of Jerusalem were destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar by the Babylonians uh, and the Babylonians back in uh, 586 B.C. The order allowing the Jews to rebuild Jerusalem was given, remember, by the Persian king Cyrus, who Donald Trump was... uh, They likened him unto King Cyrus in the Bible. Back That was given in 538 B.C. So this is when the prophecy begins, when the order is given to go back and rebuild because it was torn down, remember, by the Babylonians. So in verse 25, it clearly states that the coming of the Messiah would mark the end of the 483-year period, Uh, the the 49 and the 434. Now... The gap between the 483 years and the final seven years, that's kind of where we're in that gap right now. If you'll notice that after the 483 years, two things were prophesied to happen. Messiah would be cut off and Jerusalem would be destroyed. That's verse 26. So Jesus was crucified or cut off, the Messiah, around 30 to 40 A.D.-ish, somewhere in there. Nobody knows for sure. And Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans. We know that in 70 A.D. So there's a gap there, right? Yet the final seven years of the prophecy contained in verse 27, that's not begun. So that, not, it's not, that's ahead of us now. So there's obviously a gap between the 483 years and the final seven years. Why is there a gap? And how big is it? Well, the gap is there because the Jews, as a whole, rejected their... Now, not all of them, obviously, because the apostles were Jewish. But the gap is there because the Jews, as a whole, rejected their Messiah. I should say rejected Jesus as their Messiah. And consequently, God turned to the Gentiles to take a bride for his namesake. Now, you say, do you believe in replacement theology? No. Because I have friends today who are Jewish that are saved. Many of them, actually. But but the Bible says they've been blinded in part. The Bible does say that. Now, this began what Scripture calls the times of the Gentiles. The Apostle Paul described it this way in Romans 11.25. He said, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you be wise uh, in your own conceits. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Now, from our present perspective, we know that this gap here between the 483 years and the 490th year, the final 70 weeks, is we know that that gap is right now going to be about 2,000 years. The gap will continue until the signing of this Israel-Palestinian peace agreement that we've been talking about here. That's what starts the final seven-year period. And the final seven years of the 490-year prophecy that's described in Daniel 9.27. It contains the prophecy of the Middle East peace agreement that will mark the beginning of the final seven years. Look at it again. The Bible says, this is Daniel 9.27, and he shall confirm... The covenant with many for one week, a seven-year period. And in the midst of the week, seven years or three and a half years in, he will cause that sacrifice and oblation to cease. For the overspreading of abomination, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. So there are several things we have to understand from this one verse, because there's so much packed in there. Number one, who is the he? In Daniel 9.27, there's a lot of controversy over that, but it's really pretty simple. Number, the second question, what is the covenant, right? Number three, what are the sacrifices that will be stopped? Number four, what is the abomination of desolation? So let, let's answer these four questions here, and we'll just take them one at a time. Who is the he in Daniel 9.27? Well, that, that's easy. The he does three things. Now, if you just look at it in Daniel uh, 9, you're going to be confused. However, if you jump to other prophecies about this covenant, wow, it kind of really opens it up. And who the he is that that is involved in it? Who's the he? Well, the he does three things. Number one, he confirms the covenant, the antichrist confirms the covenant. Look at Daniel, if you go to Daniel 11, verses 21 through 45. When you go to Daniel chapter 11 and you look from verses 20 all the way through the bottom of the chapter, that's dealing with the Antichrist. Okay, So if you go to Daniel 11, 21 through 45, it describes the actions of the Antichrist. And in verses 21 and 22, the Bible says, He is called the Prince of the Covenant. There's the first clue that it's the Antichrist, the He, in Daniel 9, 27. Number two, He causes the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. The Antichrist causes a sacrifice to cease. Daniel eleven thirty one. 31. He places the abomination of desolation. In Daniel eleven thirty one, 31, the Bible also says the Antichrist places the abomination that make it desolate. So since the Antichrist, from Daniel 11, does all three things mentioned in Daniel nine twenty seven, then that gives us absolute proof, folks, that the He that confirms the covenant in Daniel 9:27 will be the antichrist. Okay? Number 2. What is the covenant? Well, if you remember and look throughout the Old Bible throughout the Old Testament, God constantly is reiterating that I will remember the covenant made with Abram and Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the land. Back in Genesis 15:18, it describes the covenant "...that God made with Abraham." "...in the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates." At the time that this promise, this divine promise was given, Abraham was in the land of Israel. The Abrahamic covenant was God's promise to Abraham that the promised land would belong to him and his descendants forever." And then when you look at all of the characteristics of the future peace agreement and what it allows for, it all has to do with the land, the temple mount, uh, the um, the, the um, two-state solution, a lot of different things. So it's confirming the Abrahamic covenant here. What is the confirmation of the covenant? Well, again, when the, the um, Middle East peace agreement is signed the Antichrist and the international community will confirm Israel's right to exist in the Holy Land and, you know, that presently uh, Israel's enemies deny that she has a right to a homeland in the land God promised to Abraham. Even the, the Biden administration recognizes that, but it doesn't recognize it like it should. The Biden administration recognizes that there should be a two-state solution. But according to the Bible, there should not be. They should go in and inhabit the land. Don't sign any covenants with the heathen. But they're getting ready to do that. They've done it in the past, and they're going to do it again in the future, giving up land for peace. They shouldn't do it, but they're going to. And when the confirmation of the covenant takes place, at the time of the signing of the peace Uh, agreement between the Israelis and the Palestinians, the final seven years to the Battle of Armageddon. This is Daniel's 70th week, the final seven-year period before the Battle of Armageddon and the Second Coming, that will occur. That's one of the things we're watching in the near future. It is irrelevant what the Israeli uh, government looks like, and it's irrelevant what the United States government looks like this prophecy is going to come to pass in intricate detail and that's something it adds clarity to what's going on in the news right now because if you look in the news you think i don't even know israel's fifth election in four years that's craziness but when i understand the prophecies of the bible i know what's coming and so it really helps to give me peace of mind in these end times Uh, another question that we need to ask here concerning Daniel 9.27 is what sacrifices will the Antichrist stop? The, you, you remember that the Middle East peace agreement is going to take place on the Temple Mount under a sharing arrangement between the Muslims and the Jews. Israel will be allowed to build her third temple on the Temple Mount as a result of the peace agreement. When the temple is completed, animal sacrifices will be offered just like they were in the Old Testament. The, that's why they're trying to get a red heifer now. So they can purify Israel to be able to do those rituals. And these are the sacrifices that the Antichrist will stop. Not the red heifer. The red heifer will be, will be done before that. But the, the daily sacrifices that are going on. The Antichrist is going to stop those, probably at the urging of the animal rights activists, but it's at that time that he will claim to be the Messiah himself or God to any other religion that's standing in there. And the Bible says everyone whose name is not written in the Lands Book of Life will follow after him and worship him. So I, no matter what you do, no matter what you do, get your name written in the Lands Book of Life. Be born again, like Jesus said. John 3, Jesus told Nicodemus, Except a man's born again, he can't enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't want it to even there even to be a chance of it coming into my mind, maybe I'll worship this end of it. No, that's not, a, that's not even an option. It's not, not even going to cross my mind ever. Because to worship anything other than God Almighty, that's, you're gonna, you'll go to hell for that. Okay? Can't do that. So, is that pretty blunt? Yes. But people need to hear some bluntness today. People are tired of fake news and people that just won't come right out and say stuff that's in the Bible. We're not going to be like that. I love people. I don't want to see anybody go to hell. But there is a hell. Okay? Don't want to see anybody go there. Jesus taught on hell more than any other preacher or teacher in the Bible. So hell needs to be talked about today. It's a place you do not want to go, folks. Okay, hopefully none of you are going there. I'm just saying, man... The things that people skip over nowadays in the Bible is astonishing to me. Who am a, a fundamental Christian? I believe in adhering to the Bible. And the things that people nowadays skip over, whoo! Huh, You've got to teach the Bible, folks. You've got to teach the Bible in its entirety. Okay, back to the message, Dave. Where are we at? Um, what's the okay next question Uh, what's the abomination of desolation that'd be the next one in Matthew 24 15 Jesus said when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place whoso readeth let him understand so according to Jesus the abomination of desolation will occur uh, on the holy place remember he's at the Olivet Discourse They're, they're overlooking the Temple Mount when he's sharing this and they knew where the holy place was. He was pointing to it. And the holy place is in the temple or on the temple mount. The Apostle Paul gave a more detailed description of the abomination of desolation in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3 through 4. He said, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except the, the, the coming of the Lord and our gathering together unto him. That day is not going to come except there comes a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he is God, sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So this man of sin, this Antichrist, Antichrist, the the son of perdition even, they both refer to the end-time world leader called the Antichrist. Paul teaches here that the Antichrist will stand in the temple exalting himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, claiming to be God himself. And when he commits this blasphemous act, that's going to be the abomination of desolation. So you say, wow, <clears throat> all of that's located in Daniel 9:27? Yes, it is. But it's pretty easy to understand once you uh, dissect it and go to other verses in the Bible that point back to it and say, man, I really understand this. When you understand all of the characteristics of the peace agreement, then you can say, you know what? The covenant is the Abrahamic covenant with, uh, when God gave the land of Israel to Abram. You understand at the end of this final seven-year period, the Battle of Armageddon is going to be fought. What's the Battle of Armageddon being fought over? Israel's right to Jerusalem and the promised land as a whole, but mainly Jerusalem is where, if you take Jerusalem away from Israel, there's no more Israel. It's their capital. God chose it. So when it all comes down to it, it's about the land, folks, and about Israel's right to the land. And that goes all the way back to the Abrahamic covenant. You don't have to sit here and wonder, let me see, what's the covenant God was referring to? Look at all the characteristics that go, uh, that uh, come as a result of the signing of the peace agreement, and it's easy to figure this stuff out. But if you've never been taught to dissect it like this, then you can sit there and go, oh, my goodness, what in the world is going on? Because you're just using Daniel 9.27 to figure it out. Just like any other topic in the Bible, you've got to use every verse that pertains back to that topic Regardless of what you're studying, what, what the subject is, you've got to use all the verses to find out exactly what that verse is saying. It's very, very important. Now, let me see in the, if it, in the time I have left if I can kind of summarize the peace agreement. Because if you look at the news, you would think there is no way this is ever going to happen. Listen, just prior to the tearing down of the Berlin wall, that looked impossible. When Irvin Baxter wrote the book, A Message for the President, in 1986, he wrote that the Berlin Wall would be torn down because of the prophecy in Revelation 13 about that the, uh, one of the nations or the heads would be wounded nigh unto death and the, and when the deadly wound was healed, all the world would wonder after the world-governing uh, beast. Well, that's exactly what happened. Because of that prophecy, God showed him that the Berlin Wall would be torn down, one of the heads, the the, the Third Reich of Germany, uh the, the Berlin Wall was the wound that nearly, nearly killed the nation. So he prophesied or he interpreted the prophecy and put it in a book in 86 that the Berlin Wall would come down, the two Germanies would reunite, and that would be the catalyst that would launch us into the New World Order. Prior to that, everybody thought, that is crazy. That's never going to happen. And they said, Irvin, why are you putting that in this book, A Message for the President? And he said, because God revealed these things to me. It's in the prophecies of the Bible. God's got his foot in my back, pushing me to write a book. And our president and everybody else needs to know about this. We're going. We're getting ready. We're heading off into a world-governing body. And he published it in the book in 1986. Everybody said he was nuts. In 1989, three years later, the symbol of the Cold War, the the... Berlin Wall, guess what? President Reagan stood there and said, Gorbachev, if you want peace like you say you do, tear this wall down. I should have had a picture of the Berlin Wall behind me on this big screen. And we'll be able to do that in the near future, by the way. It's going to be really cool. It's going to be... You just wait, and you'll see. But, President Reagan, tear this wall down, Gorbachev. Guess what? Gorbachev tore the wall down. Nineteen days later... Pope John Paul II, George H.W. Bush, and Gorbachev came out of their meetings talking about the New World Order. Just like the prophecies of the Bible said it was going to happen, my father-in-law put it in the book in 86. In 89, the wall came down, and that's what launched End Time Ministries. Back in 1986 is when he wrote the book. After that, we started the magazine in 91. We started videos and cassette tapes, and we went on um, radio in 98. We went on television in 2009, 2010. And we've been on the Internet like all over the world, and it just went crazy. Why? Because during chaotic times, when these things did not look possible, God revealed these things to Irvin Baxter. He published them, and they, came, they have come to pass. Modern nations in the Bible, uh, the... Um, the, the Holy Roman Empire, reborn in 2009. All these different things. The Chernobyl nuclear accident. The third trumpet. World War One, World War Two, the first and second trumpet. I mean, one right after another, they've been clipping off. For, so for us to say, well, you know, I don't know, Dave. Um, this peace agreement, the way Israel is looking right now, wow. I mean, they're just, politics are insane. And here in the United States, you know, the... Uh, The Biden administration just is totally chaotic. He's trying to destroy America. He's pro-world government, pro-socialistic principles, pro-abortion. They just signed the, um, now get this, the Respect for Marriage Act. They just signed that. And he had all kinds of homosexuals and different people up to the White House and uh, transvestites and all kinds of stuff up there to sign this. And they lit the White House up in... Uh, rainbow colors. This is happening as we speak. And you say, there's no way, I just don't see how some of these prophecies can happen. Listen to me, everybody. As much as all the rest of the all other prophecies have already occurred, this peace agreement will be signed in the very near future and we will start the final seven years to the second coming of Jesus Christ and the battle of Armageddon. Now, I said all of that to say this. If you are not prepared to meet the Lord, we need to get that taken care of. Because that really is what the Bible is all about. You understand the thesis of the Bible is about your relationship with the Lord and your relationship with your fellow man. Number one, the Lord is coming back. What, what was Jesus' message and the apostles' message when they were here? What was their main message? Can you think about it? It was the gospel of the kingdom of God. What is that? The gospel of the kingdom of God is simply that the God of heaven is coming back before very long to establish his kingdom here on the earth. Let me show you, according to Scripture, how you can prepare for, to be a part of that kingdom. That was Jesus' message, and that was the apostles'. Remember his, all of his parables. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The big majority of his parables. And then the apostles, he sent them to teach the same thing. You go teach the gospel of the kingdom of God. And the Bible says, if any other preacher, teacher, evangelist, whatever, or even an angel from heaven comes teaching any other gospel than what we taught you, let them be accursed. So, obey the gospel. Be born again like Jesus told Nicodemus in John three. Prepare yourself for the soon coming of Jesus Christ. You say, Well, that according to you guys, that's a few years off. Listen, nobody's promised tomorrow morning. Not one person listening to me, including myself, is promised tomorrow morning. Yes, it is a harsh reality. But it, it is a reality nonetheless. And so we want you. I, I've been sending people to church all churches all week already. Finding people churches everywhere. Where they can get in a good, true, Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. If you need that, get a hold of me or Doug here at End Time. Uh, our emails are on the website. Get a hold of us. We'll find you all a good church. We want you to be born again. We want you to be saved. And we want you to make it when the Lord comes back. It's not going to be before very long. In the grand scheme of things, things are happening very fast right now. We want to make sure you guys are prepared to meet the Lord should He return.
3: This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at one 800 end